Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter, or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Yes, hello. Welcome to Off the Bench for another week. Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby with you wherever you are in Western Australia. What a week it has been. Plenty to discuss, of course. The Australian Open at the centre of uh, controversy, at the centre of all the action. Paul Hazelby. Yes, it's been fantastic to have the Australian Open going and well done to all the organisers. They've got this far, of course, big finals coming across the weekend. Can't wait for them. But uh, at one point, we all sat back here. We had a dig, didn't we, saying that maybe they got it wrong, the Victorian government, the organisers, but they have got through. They closed down for five days with supporters. But they're going to get through. It's still going to take a big hit financially, though. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I think the one thing that we can agree on is the the logistics, the effort, and the yeah potential cost to actually get something like this up and running. Um, this may well be the model that other tournaments and organisations, tennis or otherwise, use for international events going forward because it's been proven to work, albeit we might have had a few little speed humps along the way. Um, but a big congratulations to Tennis Australia for what they've been able to accomplish so far. The Dig. Dial before you dig. The essential first step. Time for The Dig. Don't dig yourself into a hole. Lodge a free dial before you dig inquiry, Hayes. I'm a bit jealous, Beef. Why are you jealous, Really Hayes? jealous. What are you jealous Like Joe Richardson. Great bowler. <laughs> Took the most wickets in the uh, recent the Big Bash. $2.48 million he got all? in Can the IPL auction. Yeah, two and a half. Two and a half for Glenn Maxwell. Nathan Coulton-Hall, who hasn't even been playing for Australia in recent times, didn't have a great big bash. Cool, 885000 for him. Steve mm. Smith. Steve Smith, a big dig for him. He got offered $2.4 million last time. And then, uh, of course, everything happened with the sandpaper mm. gate. He lost that, and he only got 389000 this time around. A big pay reduction for him. Mm. But right, you know Riley Meredith. Yes, Riley Meredith. You know Riley, yeah, don't you? Played for the Hurricanes, I believe. Yeah, he does, mm. but you don't know him well. You're just uh, trying to act as if you do know him. <laughs> $1.4 million. <laughs> 1.4. He's a good player, but $1.4 million. Dan Christian, 850. Moses Enrique, 744. And Ben Cutting, poor old Ben Cutting, only got 133. Does it not just come back to it at the end of the the day? Like, there's X amount of teams, there's X amount of players. Like, do some teams just get to the final point and they go, right, we need one more player. This is how much money we've got left in the kitty. And that's how some of these, with all, no disrespect, but some of these players are not one and a half million dollar players. No, they're not. But they need to be something that they don't have. I think that's mm. where the big value comes from. There's a lot of good Indian players and you have to have a certain amount of Indian players included in that team. But you look at Glenn Maxwell, well, he's, he's something different. He's a big hitter. Yeah. He can also bowl. Jai Richardson, recent good form. Coulton Isle, hitter and can bowl. We know Steve Smith's an out-and-out champion. Meredith, a good bowler. Dan Christensen does both. Henriques does both, and also Ben Cutting. So you can see the all-rounders are preferred because I don't think Indian cricket have as many of them. What did Dan Christian 
go for? Do you have that number? 850,000. That to me is incredibly low for a bloke who actually legitimately over, not just the past BBL season, but previous ones as well, has legitimately dominated and turned games off his own bat and his own bowling. I think that's an absolute bargain. Yeah, well, this one's interesting because Dan Christian, whatever team he goes to, does well. They win. Yeah. So this one, they've just, they've just paid the price because yeah. just in case uh, that, uh, <laughs> that, that formula works out. comes true and they get another uh, championship over there. But, yep, jealousy today. Some unsold players. Alex Carey, Sean Marsh, Aaron Finch, Manus Labuschagne, Matty Wade, Berendorf, and our boy Josh Inglis here in WA. He was the bargain basement price of only $33,000, but didn't get picked up. So it's interesting to see their formula. It certainly is. That was the IPL auctions. Plenty more coming your way right here on Off the Bench. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver, Paul Hazelby with you just discussing some of the mouth-watering amounts of money that were thrown around in the IPL auction a couple of nights ago, Hayes. Um, you've got you've got something you want to discuss now. Well, I do. Well, you look at that big money mm. announced, and it's made public, isn't it? We all it know is. there's an auction, 2.52 to Glenn Maxwell. Richardson's going to earn $2.48 million. Even the Cricket Australian contracts are announced, and uh, mm. they are out there for the public to see. Mm-hmm. You love your basketball when there's a transfer done. All of the wages are out there to public. see. We've been yeah. watching tennis. One of the things that comes up in their profile is total prize money. We know what they're going to win for that tournament. But we still have some sports, in particular the AFL, that we speculate on all the time. I just wonder whether it has come time for them to make the salaries public or is it nobody's business? But some sports do it and some don't. Where do you sit? I... My general belief is, as much as I'd love it, I would love all of them to be made public because I think, as you say, following basketball, I think what it does is it makes uh, it makes everybody know who is overvalued, who is undervalued, and who is actually playing up to their potential. Now, I don't think players necessarily want that information out there because I don't think players want to be criticised for maybe signing a large deal and then not living up to that, that potential. And, and that's fair enough. I understand that from a player's perspective, but... As a, as a fan, as someone who pays money to be a member, whether you go to the games, you buy merchandise, whatever it is, if you invest in the game mm. in some way, shape or form, I think that's no different to any other shareholder in any other company. You should be entitled to know, A, where your money's going. And if someone's not performing up to a, a contract, then yes, you, they should be you know made aware of that or, or whatever the case is. But there's also the flip side of this, which is there's also the team and the owners and the administration, they need to be held accountable for the contracts they give up, especially in sports that have salary caps. I know that um, in the English Premier League and, and big sort of soccer competitions in Europe, for the longest time, it was just throw whatever money you wanted. There are slight constraints and rules now around that. But you, you look at teams who spend poorly, and the best example of this would be Collingwood um, for the for the last offseason. They had a fire sale. They didn't come out and say that. But if we had have known when they were signing these deals exactly what people were on, yeah, fair enough. People might have turned around and said, yes, you have to go for it. You're in the window, which I believe is what Collingwood's logic was. But I think at the same time, you need to turn around and go, well, no, like, why are you paying him this? Because in two years' time, we're going to need to be doing this. And that's keeping the administrators accountable instead of having a massive blow-up at the end of last season, like the Collingwood fans did and the PR hit that they took. But the media also speculate on the salaries too. So we do it and we don't miss how close do you much. think we get? I think we get really close mm-hmm. because it's not pure speculation. I think within that a good journo 
will do a bit of homework. They talk to people within the clubs. Mm. They talk to the managers. And the managers are the ones that sometimes let the information out. They want it out there in the public domain either because, mm. either because they've been over-reported, uh, so they don't want them to think that they're on that sort of money. So mm. eventually it will get out. But then there's the player manager that has somebody that is locked away in a long-term contract on bugger all. Mm-hmm. They then put that figure out there to certain journos. That gets out, and then that inflates their price because all of a sudden yep. there's more teams that are offering them over and above their next contract. So I think we speculate, and I think we're within 100,000, 200,000. Okay. I can tell you Dustin Martin is between 1.1 and $1.3 million. I can tell you Nathan Fife's around a million dollars. Let me tell, let me ask you this then. You, having been an elite athlete during your time at the Dockers, would you have minded if you're wage was made public during your playing days. Wouldn't have had no issue with it. No? Because it's put out there. I remember I signed a contract and it was put out, the numbers that were put out were really close okay. to what it was. Do you, were there other, without naming names, would there have been people in that team who you know, just from being around them, would not have liked the, the scrutiny or just the fact that it's private and no other industry really um, is transparent about the wages of their employees? Yeah, absolutely. Because only because it's been done that way. Mm. for a long time. So if you got used to it. If you got used to it and you knew that was the environment or that was the industry you were going into, the other thing I would have loved was some comparison. Mm. How much is Matthew Pavlich on? How much is Justin Longmuir when he was playing was on big contracts? And Mm. I felt like I was uh, giving more to the club than Justin Longmuir Mm -hmm. on the field, but because he was a big player, Ruckman, you know, they get a bit. So then it gives you a little bit of leverage in your own dealings when it's contract time. This is Off The Bench, continuing this conversation on the other side. Off The Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off The Bench, Rob Beaver, Paul Hazelby. Hayes, before the break, discussing uh, whether player wages should be made public. We've raised a few different points already, but uh, I wanted to continue this on and and make the point of, and you've already made it, that um, sometimes you want to know where you fall in regards to the playing list, you, you were mentioning names like Pav and, and Longmuir and saying you felt like perhaps at times in your career you were giving more on the field. You wanted not to know. Not than Pavlich, uh, make that clear. No, not than <laughs> But, but some, then some players, let's just say some yep. players then, you wanted to know that you were being fairly compensated for your impact on the field. And I think that's a fair enough point. But beyond that, there, there are other things that you want to raise in this as well. Yeah, look, I think it can help a player as well. Obviously, if a player stays and is loyal and there's bigger money contracts that are offered to him Mm. and obviously people would work out to say, well, he stayed under market value. He could have got Mm -hmm. more. So that can work in your favour in front of your own supporters and the media as well. Mm. That's happened a lot in overseas sports. We see a lot of these one-club players. And it's worth more in the long run, I think, to be a one-club player or a one-franchise player than it is to chop and change and go wherever the paycheck is. So yeah, I think it's particularly in local markets when it comes to maybe getting recognition or media jobs in that market after your career. Well, it was brought up with Scotty Pitten, Pippen, wasn't it, mm. uh, throughout the Michael Jordan documentary? Correct. And I didn't really know that at the time because you're just mm. looking at it, you don't have an understanding when you're a kid. But I watched that and go, wow, respect for that yeah. guy. But also you felt a little bit bad for him too mm-hmm. because he missed out and I'm sure he's doing okay. I think five years, 12 million, uh, which is why when Jordan retired, he then went on to chase every paycheck he possibly mm. could, went and played with the Rockets, went and played with the Trailblazers Pippen. as well. But to, to put a little bow on this, I think nobody in international sport, and this is something I think that players are afraid of is the scrutiny and the criticism that comes with it. But 
a lot of people in international sport get massive contracts, don't live up to them, or you might have a five-year deal. The first two years are great. The last three years look like um, look like garbage. Nobody turns around and blames the player for that contract. There's plenty of situations where people turn around and go, oh, that's the worst contract in the league. They even have those discussions, but nobody turns around and goes to the player, it's your fault. No, it's not your fault at all. If, if the franchise or the team is willing to invest in you, they see something, rightly or wrongly, and you can argue whether or not a guy did or didn't live up to his potential, but it's on the franchise to get those decisions correct. If you're the ones looking at them every day, knowing their work ethic, have all their medical reports, all those things, you've got to make those decisions. It is, but I can also see it going the other way with some of the players. If you are highly priced and you're not performing, yeah, it's not your fault. Your manager and yourself mm. have done a great job. Mm. But social media these days, I think mm. they would crucify some of those players online, which we know is not good for their mental health, but... It's sort but, of part and parcel. They're I, going to crucify anyway because think, they have an idea. I think that then comes back in circles. They're going to crucify anyway. I remember like Adam Cooney's deal when he went to the Bombers wasn't uh, made public, at least to my knowledge, but he copped it on social media. He's spoken very openly about the fact that he would be on the field and thinking, God, don't miss this kick because you'll hear it later online. But again, it comes down to no. why, why should anybody blame a player? For getting paid as much as humanly possible. Don't we all sit there and go, we all, we all want to get paid our worth? And some people have an inflated sense of their worth. But if someone's silly enough or justifies paying it, then how's the player to be at fault for that? Do we need to change as a public? Do we need to change our views on the money that these athletes get paid? No, but it can it can change the mentality of the player. Mm. If you got a, 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 a boy, Tom Boyd, yep. you know, a $9 million nine-year offer mm-hmm. as a 19, 20-year-old before he'd even achieved anything. anything. Mm-hmm. Now, for him, that didn't work out that well. Yes, he got a premiership, but mm-hmm. he's had some mental health challenges yep. along. Maybe, just maybe, I'm only speculating, it could have been the expectation that comes along with a deal like that. But if the player's mentality isn't right and they actually feel like they're just taking the money and not Mm. giving 100%, then I think that can become a really big media story. Before we move on, this is something I've floated in the past. I haven't heard anyone else really talk about it. Should we have a threshold? I.e., in the AFL, we all know the salary cap. I think it's just over 10, 11 million. That may be up or down slightly depending on what it is. Let's say it's 13 million. So should you then turn around and go, if you get paid over, pick an arbitrary number, 600,000 a year, then your contract is made public. Part of the decision you make when you sign for big money is you accept the public scrutiny that comes with that. Should that be a figure or should there be something that we go, if you want to make over this, then that's your... And if you choose, as you say, to stay for below market value to avoid that criticism, then that's a choice you make. Which is in line with some stock companies, isn't mm. it? The, the, the higher-priced earners within the company, the executives, directors, yep. the, mm-hmm. the executives, that price is spoken about. But we know the lower end. This is the strange thing. We know what the kids are on because it's set in stone. You know, you've got to go to a manager and say, yep. you know, the base rate now for mm-hmm. a round one pick is, say, 90000 and you get 5000 Plus per game. Per game. Yep. So we know that. Mm-hmm. But you're protecting maybe... But but, but, but those contracts are only valid for two to three years as rookies. So, it, yeah, in a word, yes or no, is it something maybe to look at? Well, yep, I'm happy for it. But I'm go. out of the system now. But uh, it's funny that some sports, a lot of sports we know, yet the AFL we don't at this particular stage. This is Off the Bench. We'll chat a little bit more tennis on the other side. Keep it locked here. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver.
Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby on Off the Bench. Time for a tennis update. Thanks to Kia. Kia's open season is on now with match-winning deals and Australia's best seven-year warranty right across the entire range. Ash Barty, how devastating was it to see her go out and the controversy around the medical timeout when she did. We spoke about it at length uh, during the week, but was was Barty not not in tune enough or maybe not clever enough or conniving enough to take a time out of her own to stop that momentum? I was embarrassed to be an Australian when that game was completed. Every journal, every comment that I saw was about the timeout and whether it was right for Makova to do that. Now, it was within the rules. She's entitled to do that. But I felt the blame should have been squarely at the feet of Ash Barty because she didn't deliver. She didn't handle it. She was going so well. 6-1, two love up in a quarterfinal to go to your first ever semifinal at the Australian Open. And a 10-minute break brought all of that undone. It was smart play. It's a tactic. Now, that's a different uh, conversation, whether that that should be allowed. Now, she said she was dizzy and dizziness falls under a medical condition. So you can get through on that. Novak Djokovic has used it in the past, but I just find it frustrating to see all the journos take that angle about the timeout rather than the poor performance mentally of Ash Barty to stay in that contest. Should, and this doesn't just go for this particular instance in tennis, there's a much wider debate in the world of cricket about man-catting as well. Things that some people argue are not in the spirit of the game, i.e. taking a medical timeout if you maybe don't need one or you're using it for a purpose that may not be purely medical. And again, with a man caddying in cricket. Do we need to get to a point where we actually just need to outlaw these things? There can't be limitations in sport where we go, oh, it's not in the spirit of the game. They're in every sport, though. Hmm. You look at uh, soccer, yep. the player goes down. Yep, you give the ball back exaggerate. to the... They exaggerate yep. the, yep. the contact. Mm-hmm. High tackles. When a player gets injured as well in soccer, they supposedly are supposed to give the ball back and, and, and let you do those types of things. But High tackles in footy. Yeah. You know, you exaggerate for a long time there was players and I did it. I always used to play Try and duck for free it. kicks. Yeah. If I felt contact in my back, First thing I was doing was going to ground. Yeah, free kick, bang. That was just within the rules. If the umpire pays a free kick in the back, then it's a free kick in the back. So it's always going to go on. But um, you know, taking a time out for ten minutes and, and blaming that on the result. No. no, I don't. If if Barty was the better player, then I don't think ten minutes should have been the difference. That was the tennis update for Kia on now with match-winning deals. Hayes, that's all we've got time for on another edition of Off the Bench. Thank you for your company once again. Good work. Have a great weekend, everybody. Looking forward to the weekend. Looking forward to speaking with you again next weekend as well. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.